you take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Matthew, chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. Be in prayer for pastor, as pastor is away in North Carolina at New Mana Baptist Church. He's preaching their missions conference there right now, so he's done a lot of preaching in the past couple days, so be in prayer for him as he, he's preaching, and safety on the way back as well. Matthew chapter number 16 and verse 13. Verse 13 reads, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, thou shalt shalt be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I I pray and I just thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I I ask that you'd speak to our hearts today. Lord, I ask that you would, uh, as we open your word, that, that there be great power from this as it would penetrate down into our hearts. Lord, I think maybe there's somebody here even right now that's been struggling with the thought of heaven, not sure about their eternal destiny. And God, I just pray that you would make them, allow them come to a, a conclusion this morning. And others, Lord, that we would be encouraged and strengthened through your word. I pray that you'd use me. I surrender to you now in Jesus' name. I pray this, amen. So during Christ's ministry, he, he, he's with his disciples and, and, and he gets to this place called Caesarea Philippi and he comes to what they say is a, the coast. And in this coast, he draws them to a conclusion about himself. He asks, uh, who do men say that I am, but what do you say that I am? And that's really all that matters. It doesn't matter what the world says, does it? It matters what you say about Jesus. He's a personal God. He's a personal savior. Then he informs his disciples uh, when they've come to this conclusion about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He begins to unfold to them the gospel. And aren't you glad today that the gospel has been unfolded to you? There was a day that somebody was willing to show you the gospel or you read it and the the Holy Scripture and the Holy Spirit uh, showed you what Christ had done and you responded in faith to what he had done and you got saved. We get to this coast, it's called the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and I just want you to 
just consider the coast and, and consider maybe picture yourself being with Jesus in this coast. This place was really a place where a lot of pagan worship took place, the coast of Caesarea. It was a place, uh, there was a, a, a city, a, a steep rock cliff, and in the notches of the cliff, pagan people built shrines to their gods um, and, and committed uh, acts of idolatry and immorality, and there's just a lot of pagan worship taking place. And Jesus is asking this question as he's seeing this take place, as he's seeing people walk up the, the cliff, as he's seeing uh, the, the commitment to their gods and he maybe smelling the incense and, and hearing the chants of, of, these, of these pagan worshipers. He says, what do men say? But who do you say that I am? In other words, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? <clears throat> and... Can you just imagine him being there in that time at this time? I know, I just remember going to Hamilton and it was uh, in the summertime, one time out of the month, every once a month, they, they shut down James Street North in downtown Hamilton and they have something called the art crawl. So I'll, I'll go check out this art crawl. Now, in this area, I was just taken back with all the idolatry and, and all the, the, the paganism in this place uh, with, uh, with, 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 that seemed to be connected with modern art. I think I counted six or seven booths set up on the sidewalk where they were reading palms. And there was that type of idolatry. And some of, some of the art was very wicked, very dark. And, and, and there seemed to be some sort of connection with idolatry and with this genre of art. And I'm not saying all art is bad, by the way. And we, we've got an artist here in our, in our congregation, Brother uh, Art McCall. And at a, a, here's just a rabbit trail. I just remember going up to him one Sunday. I said, you should sketch a, a photo of me, a portrait of me doing this. I'm not kidding you, the next Sunday he came back with a portrait like this. And uh, my wife framed it and put it on my nightstand. I woke up and, oh, that's scary. <laughs> we gotta do something. You could have put some hair on my head or something. He's, he's not here today, but, but just a side note, it's not all wicked. I'm not saying our, all art is bad. I'm just saying there was a certain connection here with, with paganism, and I could just imagine being there uh, on the coast of Caesarea as there's been paganism all around. And you know, that seems to be growing in our communities. That seems to be growing on a rapid pace in our nation as we have taken the word of God out of schools, and we have stepped away from God, and, and this has crept in, hasn't it? Paganism. And it's, it, was, it was there in Christ's day too, and he, and he just goes over to the coast, during this coast, and there must have been a, a high level of discomfort as, as it was kind of foreign to the disciples and to their belief. Um, as, as he looks around, he says, who do you say that I am? Some say this in verse, if we go to our scripture and we read what they responded, Verse 14, it says, and, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, or others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, some came to the conclusion about Jesus that he was John the Baptist, or they thought he was John the Baptist. Why would they think that Jesus was John the Baptist? Some say that he was, John the Baptist was known for his open-air preaching. Jesus went around and preaching the kingdom of God, repent, you know, and believe. And he was known for his open air preaching. So perhaps some of them thought, well, maybe he's John the Baptist. He's a, he's a, good, he's a good preacher. 
Uh, Isaiah, uh, I, um, or uh, sorry, Elijah, uh, known for to be a, a great person of prayer, known at Mount Carmel for that great prayer. Um, and could, could you imagine hearing Jesus pray? I would have liked to hear Jesus preach. I sure would have liked to hear Jesus pray as he had a direct communication, God in the flesh, as he'd pray and he would just be in awe. Jeremiah, or the others might have said uh, one of the prophets, or Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah, known to have a passion for God's people. And I find it interesting that a, a spiritually blinded world came to three conclusions about Jesus uh, and saw that he had these character traits Known to be a powerful preacher, couldn't deny the power that came out of his mouth. Known to be a, a man of prayer, had a powerful prayer life, they could not deny that. And they could not, could, could not deny his passion or his compassion as he saw the multitude and he was moved with compassion upon them. Just a, quim, a, a, a simple a thought here. Um, have you witnessed to people? You say, well, they're blind and they don't understand and they, they don't know the gospel. Uh, ha- have you taken the time to proclaim the gospel to people like Jesus did? Have you, have you taken the time to pray for people? I mean, not just pray in your closet, but pray for people and ask uh, to, to be in prayer for them. And have you had compassion have you showed passion on people? You say, well, they're lost. They, 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 can't, they don't know anything about God. They're spiritual blinders. Well, they, they had spiritual blinders too, but they came to three conclusions about God that they could not deny about him. And we are the children of God. Wearsby uh, said this, quoted this, it is impossible to be wrong about Jesus and right with God. So who is Jesus to you? Are you maybe somebody viewing online. Who is Jesus to you? You would fall short of any answer if you came up to any other conclusion than him being God. Jesus is God. Jesus reveals how Peter came to this conclusion concerning himself. Look at verse 17, verse 16, I'm sorry. Well, let's read in verse 15 first. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And again, the world has opinions, But that doesn't matter when you're standing before God. Who do you say Jesus is? He said, uh, verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. What a good answer. I bet you that put a smile on Jesus's face, didn't he? He even said, blessed art thou, Peter. When did you come to the conclusion that Jesus was God and receive him in faith? Do you remember that that when the Spirit was speaking to your heart, when he he showed you who he was and you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? So a conclusion is stated. Jesus says, blessed art thou, in verse 17. Blessed art thou. Think about this. Why blessed? Why, Why was Peter blessed? Why did Jesus say, Peter, you're blessed? Because Peter has come to the conclusion that Jesus is God, and when received in faith, it saves a soul. It saves a soul. Think about the terrors of hell. Think about the flames and the torment and and the pain and the gnashing of teeth. And when a person comes to the conclusion Jesus is God, but receives Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says your soul is saved, born again. 
I mean, I mean, the blinders, they come off. You're translated, you're, you've got a new citizenship in heaven. Brother Kelvin said, your name will be written down. I'm I just looking forward to the day in heaven when that book is open. And I'll, 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 perhaps I'll see a bunch of names, but my name's going to pop out. And my name's going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'll be granted access. If that bothers you, if you're bothered by that, to think, oh, is my name there? Is my name written down in that book, the Lamb's Book of Life? Have I come to Christ? You better get that dealt with. You better seriously come to to the Lord Jesus Christ. A soul is redeemed when a person puts their faith in Christ. Hebrews 11, 6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A soul is made clean when we come to Jesus. I don't know about you, but there was a whole lot of sin in my life. There was, a, there was I mean, I would, it would have been a couple volumes written out on the, how much sin I committed. Uh, the, the weight of my sin, the weight of my sin was horrendous. But when I came to Jesus, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The time that I came to Jesus, I, I got saved. I got forgiveness of sins. I got a home in heaven. The relief. I remember Paul, Paul time and time again, he'll say, oh, when I came to Jesus and I got saved, the relief, that, 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 the, the load that came off my shoulders was immense. That Christ could look on him and pardon me. Wow. So, first, Jesus addresses how Peter did not come to the conclusion about being God. Look at verse 17. He says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. So, Jesus gives us two words here on how Peter did not come to the conclusion about Jesus being God. First of all, he uses the word flesh. Second of all, he uses the word blood. Flesh. How does a person, what does, how do they not come to the knowledge? Three are flesh. In other words, through human uh, nature or, or, or personal influence or personal understanding, uh, aside from the divine influence of the Lord. If you're trying to figure out God in your own understanding, you're never going to get there. You tell me why Jesus would come and die for me. I mean, I understand he did. I understand why and what happened and what took place. But for somebody that would forsake him, but, but somebody that would, would maybe turn their back, somebody that would nail the, the nails into his hands and, and he would say, Father, forgive him, for they know not what they do. You try and comprehend that level of love and you're gonna fall short every time. For flesh has not revealed it unto you. And, and blood, also known as the seed of life, perhaps we could say life experiences. I'll, I'll, I'm on my journey to find God. And a lot of, I'm a millennial. A lot of millennials think, I'm going to travel the world. They like to travel. We like to travel. I'm going to travel the world, and I'm just going get, to get to that place where I find God one day. I'm going to travel the world, and, and, and on my journey, I'll get there. I'll find him. No, you won't. You find him in his word. You don't have to go around the world to find Jesus. You look to his word. 
So if you're trying to find God with your own understanding or with your own experiences, you won't. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And then it says this, lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Then Jesus addresses how Peter did come to the conclusion Continue reading on the, the, the same verse. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Through the Holy Spirit of God, it was revealed to him. Through his heavenly Father, he came to the conclusion that this is the Christ, and if he is the Christ, I will fullheartedly trust him. Do you remember that season in your life? Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're in the, the season of your life through Holy Ghost conviction. That season of your life, maybe before you got saved and, and you were struggling with the thought and you were, you were convicted at the thought and, and they preach about hell and it'd bother you and you're, you may be bothered right now with the, with the word of hell and, and not knowing about where you're going and, and, and you, you thought it was maybe your emotions but maybe perhaps it's the Holy Spirit of God convicting you to come to Christ. I remember so, so, so long uh, the Lord was merciful with, with convicting me and convicting me and convicting me to come to him. And I just remember the, the thought of not knowing where I'm gonna go when I die. Not being right with God, not having a relationship with God and, and knowing it in my heart, rejecting it, but knowing it in my heart that I'm not right with God and hell is my destination. I remember the song, and I've said this before, the altar call, and I, I remember softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me, come home, come home, and that would ring in my, my ears as a 17-year-old uh, teenager, come home, Cody, come to, Je- come to Jesus, Cody. Oh, and the thought was, I just wanna hang on. I'm not, I'm not ready yet. You may say, I'm not ready to surrender. Come home, I, I, I encourage you, come home. He loves you. There's no place like home when you're at the Father's house. So he reveals that it was through the Holy Spirit. We we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We we need and and if you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, don't reject it. Let it work in your life to, to, to bring you forth to the Lord. We need to pray in the Holy Spirit. We we need to be led of the Holy Spirit. How can we better pray? How can we, how can we as believers, how can we as members of Bethel Baptist Church have a better, more effective prayer life? We need to be led of the Holy Spirit. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to do it. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to convict that person. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to uh, give us the strength to live the Christian life. If you come to the proper source, which is, G- which is God, you will come to the correct conclusion about Jesus. Continue on reading here. Verse 18 says, But I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. You know the Lord is good at showing us who we are, and it's really good at showing us who he is. He says, thou art Peter. Peter, your name is rock or stone I should say pebble thou art pebble thou art stone that's who you are Peter just a small stone and he says 
Upon this rock will I build my church. We know that the rock refers to Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus, also known as the cornerstone or the foundational stone, a a tried stone, a a precious stone, a sure foundation. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For others a foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the sure foundation. Oh, I'm so sure glad that in the day we're living with uncertainty, not knowing about what the future holds, not knowing what the job market's gonna look like, not knowing all these things, that we got a, a sure foundation, a place that we can rest our feet at night knowing that God's in control. God, I mean, I, I probably would have been uh, maybe uh, filled with anxiety and depression if I didn't know that I have a Lord that has a sure foundation. I mean, I mean, no, nothing of this world is going to shake the, the, the church's foundation. Nothing that the devil can throw at the church is, is going to overcome the church. He says, upon this rock, upon this rock, which is not upon your success, not upon your accomplishments or your own philosophy, your own IQ, but upon Jesus Living our life based upon the word of God. Having the moral compass of God's direction in our life is a sure foundation. God, when we think about success, how does he measure success? How does he look, what does he think of when he looks at you and how does he measure success and, and, and what, what is his indicator? What is his, his opinion? What is God's philosophy of a successful life here on this earth? Well, it's not based upon finances because Jesus said, lay not up yourselves, lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. And he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it's not uh, being, being successful financially. It's not uh, owning mansions and cars and different things. He doesn't look at that and say, hey, you're successful. You're blessed. It's not his philosophy of, of being blessed. It's not based upon acceptance, being popular, or being accepted of the world. Because the Bible says in, in, in James 4.4, 4, for the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend uh, of the world is an enemy of God. So it's not that. So how, how does God measure success and what is his philosophy on it? And I heard, a, a, here's a good definition I, I thought was, was well, well written. Success is obedience to God, empowered by the spirit of God, motivated by the love of God, and directed toward the advancement of the kingdom of God. Success begins with obeying God's commandment to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or simply put, success is knowing the will of God and doing it. Something, knowing what God wants you to do and just, just do it. Uh, there's, there's things in our bulletin like we need, we need workers. We need helpers. We need volunteers. We need, we need people uh, in junior church. We need people on the bus. We need people to serve. We, we need people to make the, the great commission, uh, uh, you know, for us to fulfill that great commission. But we need, we need laborers to do it. Success is knowing what God wants us to do and doing it. Just, just go and do it. 
I'm waiting for the angel Gabriel to come out uh, and tell me what to do. No, no, just go into all the world and preach the gospel. Success is knowing the will of God and doing the will of God. He looks at God, will look at you and say, wow, you're, you're, you're living a successful life. But we know that with the church, uh, he, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We know that we've got an adversary. We know we've got uh, a roaring lion seeking to devour our lives. We know that uh, he's trying, the devil would love no, no more than to shut down Bethel Baptist Church. He would love for you not to come to church anymore. He'd love for you to get bitter against God. He'd love for you to, to never read your Bible again. So the devil has tactics. And, and the Bible says, I'll read it again, verse 18. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The devil would love to prevail against the church. But the good thing is this, he can't do it. He doesn't have enough power to do it. He doesn't have enough authority to do it. He would love to get us to close our doors, but he can't do that. He can't prevail against it. Praise the Lord that we serve a God that overpowers the devil, even though that he's the prince of this world. He's established his church to rise against the powers of the devil. He won't prevail against it. He would love no more than to prevail against it, but he cannot do so. Now, Jesus would later say to Peter, in Luke 22, he would say, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he would sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You see, the devil, his tact is, is this, to sift as wheat. In other words, to make your life fall apart. What does a sifter do? It, 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 really, it just keeps out the, the lumps, doesn't it? Any impurities in the flower, any pebbles, any little rocks, any debris, it's not gonna fall through. But the devil would no doubt love to destroy our church. He'd love to destroy the, the relationships in this church. He'd love to sift you as wheat this morning. That's his tactic. He'd love to sift your marriage. He'd love to sift your ministry. He'd, he'd love to, to sift your job, the people in your job that you're trying to reach out. He'd love to destroy your life today. But, but, but he said, God, the Lord said, thou art Peter. You're a pebble, Peter. And the devil's gonna come a sifting, isn't he, Peter? Uh, but I prayed for you, Peter. He's going to come a sifting, but if you're on the rock, he can sift all he wants. You know what he's going to do? He's just going to chip off the dirt and make you a better pebble, Peter. Peter, Peter. <laughs> the devil would say this. We're known as vessels. We're known as a vessel. God, we're, we're, the whole, we're the temple of God. We're a vessel unto honor, or hopefully, Lord willing. And, and we're clay, and he's made a, a vessel out of our clay, but the devil doesn't want you to be a vessel for him, and he wants to destroy your vessel. And, and the devil will say this, you're nothing more than wheat. God can't use you. I've sifted you. You're nothing more than wheat. You know what God says? You're clay. Somebody help me this morning. You're clay. The devil would say this, you're just wheat. You're no good. You can't do anything for God. And God says this, but you're clay. Say, well, clay? What good is clay? God can take that clay, and he could do something with the piece of clay. His warm hands can get on that old, dirty, cold, uh, unpalatable piece of clay and make a vessel out of it. The devil would say, no, you're just, you're just wheat, you're no good. 
God says, I'm gonna take you up out of the miry clay. Praise the Lord that we're saved. Some of you say, you've been taken up out of that horrible pit. Remember the day you were taken up out of the horrible pit? I mean, that place of despair, just, just trying to think back a few years ago where you used to be. God took you out of that horrible place. Maybe you're in the pit right now. Maybe you're in the place of despair right now and you got, you got to look up to the Lord Jesus and ask him to save you and he'll take you up out of that horrible pit. And you know what he does? He sets your feet upon a rock. And when he sets your feet upon a rock, Jesus Christ, he's established your going. Oh, what a life to live when you know that this is what God wants me to do and I'm going to do it. Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. I'd say the same thing to you. You can put your name there. He's desired to have you. He wants to destroy you. But here's the thing. Plant your feet upon the rock because the sifter's gonna come, the sifter's gonna come. It's not gonna do anything but actually refine you to something better. Your clay. Behold, Thou art the father, and we are the clay, and thou art the potter, and we are all the work of thine hand. At this point, in verse 18, verse 17, a confession has been made, thou art the Christ. Verse 21, Jesus could now come forward with Christ's message. Verse 21 said this, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. I kind of find it interesting, the order of this that's taking place. Um, who, who am I, guys? I mean, look at this pagan worship around. Who am I? Thou art the Christ. You're the savior of the world. You're the lamb of God without spot or, spot or blemish. From that time forward, when they realized that, when they came to knowledge of who Jesus was, then he could unfold to them the gospel. Then he could tell them, start to tell him, uh, the necessity that he must go unto Jerusalem. He must go to Samaria. He's come to your Samaria. But he must go to Jerusalem. He was born to die. He must go to Jerusalem. And when he goes to Jerusalem, there would be suffering. When he goes to Jerusalem, he would ultimately end up in Calvary. He would be mocked. He'd be spit upon. He'd, he'd be beaten. He'd be whipped with something we call cat of nine tails. Cat of nine tails with nine tails. And then those nine tails, shards of glass, bone, and metal, different things like that. And it would rip into his flesh. And, and, and we know that 40 stripes would be a death sentence, but 30, he was received 39 stripes. With his stripes, we were healed. Every stripe that whipped across his back was for you and for me to redeem us, to forgive us. Our sin was placed upon Jesus Christ as he cries to the Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why, why'd you do this to me, Lord? I, I mean, I at least want to hear from you, Lord. He was cut off. God couldn't even look at him because in order for him to be able to look at me, he took all of our sin, he took all of our shame and placed it on Jesus Christ so that we could be redeemed. He'd be whipped, he'd go to the Calvary, he'd go to Calvary Road, he'd go to the cross. He would cry out on that cross, such, such love, such love. And ultimately after that, there would be death. 
Verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed. But here's the good thing, guys. He didn't stay dead, did he? He didn't stay in the tomb. Some have been to Israel and they go to that tomb and it's empty today. Uh, the third day he got up, the stone was rolled away and he, he, he was victorious over death, hell and the grave. And he rose again in victory, proving he's worthy of your trust. He's worthy of your trust. Death couldn't even hold him down. So I ask you this question today. Who is Jesus? Some of you, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Maybe some others, mm, kind of on the fence. Maybe, maybe some, some are viewing online even, don't even know about Jesus, don't even know about rede- the Redeemer, don't, don't even know, I, I, I have no idea. But who is Jesus to you? You'll fall short of any answer if you come to any other conclusion than Jesus is God. Because he's God, he's worthy of your trust and your faith to put in him. When a person recognizes that, they put their faith and trust in Christ and they, they, they put their faith in him, you get saved. You get born again. Just as Jesus came out of that tomb, uh, you would be, be given new life. New life in, in Christ. And your name gets written in that book, the Lamb's Book of Life. And you don't have to worry about hell You don't have to worry about going there because you've come to Christ. You're part of his family. Have you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Perhaps you're in a Caesarea Philippi. Pagans all around you. Pagans all around you. You know what what also is paganism too? The shrine of self. Me. I'm above God. I matter more. My, my dreams, my ambitions, me, 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 the shrine of self. The world has their opinions on the Lord, but, but what's your opinion? Whom say ye that I am? Would you come to that conclusion today if you've never come to the conclusion about Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah? Make that decision today. Put your faith in him for salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, Lord. I thank you, God, for the time that I realized that some years ago. Realized who who I was. I realized I was a sinner on my way to hell, and I but I realized who you are, the redeemer of man. Thank you, God, for going to Calvary. Thank you, God, for showing us who we are and who, who you are. I thank you, God, for all that you've done, Lord. I, I I think maybe, Lord, perhaps there's somebody here right now that wants to come to the conclusion that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Maybe there's somebody online viewing right now that has been questioning and wondering and, and maybe involved in some paganism. that They want to leave that lifestyle and come to Christ. Well, I know that Jesus' arms are wide open for anybody that calls upon your name will be saved. I thank you in Christ's name, amen. Would you stand with me? If the Lord has laid upon your heart to come up to the front, maybe to pray for somebody that you know is involved in paganism or that you, you know needs to be saved, would you come now? Maybe there, there's somebody here today that would say, I need to be saved. 
I know he's the Christ, but I must place my faith in him. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Here's my hand. Pray for me. Anybody here today said, I know somebody involved in paganism, and I'm praying for him right now. Would you raise your hand? I know somebody involved in paganism, and I'm praying for him right now. Here's, here's my hand. I'm praying for him. Hands up all over the room. I mean, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. But whom say ye that I am? Come do business with the Lord as he leads you.